Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, and by Rainex, Hum by Verizon, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome to MotorWeek Podcast number 195. I'm John Davis, of course, and joining us today, a rare sight at one of our podcasts is our head writer and executive producer, Dave Scrivener. Oh, wow. This is a very special occasion. A very special Folks. occasion. Writer, producer, Brian Robinson, who you just heard. And I'm sure you're tired of hearing from him, so... No, I don't think so, Brian. Online content coordinator, Greg Carlos. Rocking and rolling. And video producer, editor, and also the producer of our podcast, Joe Ligo. Blame it on me. Absolutely. Every time, whenever we can. All right, we got a lightning round. A viewer question uh, about, of all things, uh, covering up engines, uh, a rant and rave section. But first, we've got a triple threat of vehicles to go down that we've had around our shop recently. Let's start off. With 2019 Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye, let me a few of the um, uh, specific 6.2 liter uh, supercharged V8, 797 horsepower, 707 pound feet, 8 speed auto, 0 to 63.7 seconds. Okay, besides that, what do we like about it? It's fast and loud. I think this is good, why we all like it. Good looking, good looking car, though. Let's turn to the man that has the Hellcat Red Eye hat on. Oh, I do. David, yes, you do. Well, literally. Uh, I did have the pleasure of driving it uh, twice on the track, once in the rain, once in the dry. Uh, highly entertaining both times. Um, did the hair go up on the back of your neck during the wet drive? I, it was more fun on the wet, I think. It was just always <laughs> on the slide. I'm surprised how capable it was on the track, how forgiving it is when you get it uh, full broad slide sideways and um, bring it back most of the time. We did show one of our spins in the road test, yeah. and I, I was purposely trying to push the car as hard as we go, and it, it finally spun on us. But, but it spun you know. on you, but it didn't snap spin. No, it, was, it was very it was predictable. way out there, yeah. and, and you had to push it really, really obscenely hard to, get it to do that. That's what I remember about the even the original Challenger Hellcat, was that like the edge is just so easily approachable. And it's just actually really balanced for such a big car. But amazing. A lot of that all, that, all that weight and everything else, front biased. And I mean, just it's, it's, they've really done an amazing job. Yeah, essentially, uh, all 3,000 demons uh, that they are going to make have been made. So uh, this is the same engine. It had some leftover motors. Slightly detuned, so you don't have to like burn 104 octane on it. Slightly detuned and a couple special details like all the other Hellcats. It all comes down. There's little details in like the headlights and the red eye on the logo. Little stuff like that that set it apart from the other Hellcats. Can you buy more performance for the money? 72745 I don't think you can. Can you? I mean, definitely not that much horsepower. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also, it's, it's not just a straight line beast. I mean, it's... Does well on the track. It could use some brakes if you're doing serious track work. Yeah. Three or four laps, they were smoking. Mm. But I ran uh, full laps for our GoPro laps on the on the camera, and it was eight seconds slower than the 911 GT2 RS wow. on the same track, which is pretty damn close. Which yeah, is, yeah. And it's two hundred grand less, closer. Yeah, yeah. And how many less. pounds more? <laughs> it's like twelve hundred pounds more. Yeah. yeah. But the power is where it comes in. And Amazing if job. If you can harness it, you can use it. 
Yeah. And it's it's like you said, I, I edited the road test, which is on YouTube now. You can all go to MotorWeek's channel and watch it. But it, I don't know if predictable is the right word, but like to watch when it goes into a slide, when you would take it into a slide, it seemed like there was never a moment where you lost control. No. And when like, I spun, I was trying to do link two slides back to back, but the track went the wrong way, and I couldn't quite get the angle on the track right to make both corners. But you I, stayed on the track, though. Yeah. yeah, but no. I even when it was getting real wild, you just seemed like you just rein it back in and burp right away. Still involved there too. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, folks. but there's no. other cars that would be way less friendly to that, right? I just mean, remember, do not try this at home. No, <laughs> or do whatever. Completely on the opposite sure. side of the automotive spectrum, the 2018 GMC Sierra Denali. Okay, this is the real blinged up version of the new Sierra 6.2 liter V8 420 horsepower 10 speed auto uh, very competent vehicle if you can get if you have to don't have to walk up to it with uh, dark sunglasses on but this also had a very unusual feature a new feature that's unique to you and uh, GMC on it Greg tell us about that yeah, so it has a uh, multi-pro, I get the name right? Yes. Marketing jargon. Uh, multi-pro multi tailgate. <laughs> so close. Yeah. So close. Um, you got it. But what this is, is it takes a, uh electric tailgate even further. So you can put it down like a normal tailgate. There's a cutout that you can let down while the whole tailgate's down to let you access the bed. And it's also, a, you can use it as a, a step, I believe, A step. You? you can yeah. use it as a workbench. Seat. Um, there's a million. It's got all these different million, configurations but. of how, because it, it's like a two-part tailgate that can fold in all these different ways. and Yeah. It's a transformer. Yes. How, this is not to be confused, though, with the carbon fiber bed, no, which, no, which no, is no. still coming, but is also an option. Yes. And that, as I understand it, when I was talking to one of the engineers, it's a woven carbon fiber. So it's a little, they think it's going to be much stronger than anything else that has been contemplated up to now. So they're increasingly stepping the Sierra away from the Silverado when it comes to features. Hmm. But I have to ask, if you were in the market for a GM pickup truck, would you go this route or would you stick with the Silverado? And is this just a gimmick? I mean, what what is it? Is it... I mean, I guess it's aimed at the luxury buyer, obviously. If I had the money, I would definitely. Well, I appreciate the styling differences mm -hmm. they've made between the two. I like the GMTs look better. I wouldn't have for Denali necessarily. But, right. You know. It was a good-looking truck. And um, you are pro-grade. So it does fit your image better. Yeah. Professional yeah. grade. My uh, my bar, uh, gripes, I guess, all go to the interior. As much as I like the new GMC and Silverado pickup trucks, they just didn't take the interior far enough. It just looks like last last generation. Agree, especially since we have a Ram long term right now, uh, we can direct, we directly uh, compare. Which really is turning out to be, a, yeah. A, I mean, a nice we. Truck. I get that, and we I agree with it. But for most Chevy buyers, I think they're glad that they didn't go the Chrysler route. I think they want just a nicer version of what they had already. You're saying there's From something what I've to be heard. said for like the familiar. Correct. GM well, layout. that's that. Yeah. They don't that want a you know truck. that makes a real. Good argument. If you're a, a marketing or a designer, you know, I imagine that was discussed alike. Like, we don't want to alienate our buyers. Yeah, I think we we do have to remember sometimes that we are in so many different cars, so it's easy for us to pick on uh, interiors, but this has the buttons you want, the knobs you want, and for a lot of people, it's going to be plain. Yeah, and if you're trading in, a, like, a 10-year-old 
you know, Silverado and you see this thing, it's going to be like, whoa, this thing is amazing inside. Did, did the technology have, in the truck, I think, is the best out there. Did I mean, the towing they, technology carry over from Silverado to GMC, all the yeah. towing features? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they did they did some tricks with aerodynamics. They're using uh, multi-materials in the body, weight-saving uh, weight where it's necessary, the new bed on the GMC carbon fiber. They've really put a lot of tech in the vehicle. It's just not necessarily obvious from looking at it. Mm. My, but, my one concern, and Greg and I were talking about this earlier, is if you get rear-ended, that tailgate's going to be expensive to fix. And that's just fresh in my mind because I saw a pickup truck this weekend that had you know, tailgate all caved in and bent up. But, you know, all these are coming out now with electric tailgates of one variety or another. So, I mean, that's that's going to be across the board. I say the days You've got to be going, pretty tall in order to hit that tailgate. That's also true. The days of going to your local pick-apart junkyard and scavenging a tailgate are <laughs> long gone. Move on uh, to the 2019 Kia Forte, always a highly reliable uh, beast of burden. Two-liter I-4, 147 horsepower, a wonderful CVT automatic transmission. What else can we say about this uh, workaholic, uh, always dependable SUV? Well, uh, you brought up the I mean, CVT. sedan, sorry. You brought up the CVT, which I certainly wasn't going to talk about because it's... But well, we don't usually say very many kind things about the CVT, but I thought it was pretty good. It was well, their first in-house design, mm-hmm. which a lot of the Japanese, you know, car companies, uh, they don't even have their own in-house design CVT. So that's a big step for them. And as far as CVTs go, uh, it was a pretty nice one. Uh, they make a big deal of the fact that you know it's got the steps going up, not only up but also down. down. And but it just feels like a kind of a lazy automatic, but. This is their, uh, their world the car. There. They sell yeah. a lot of these almost everywhere. Yeah, the Forte is actually really big in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in the U.S., uh, they've really struggled to uh, tap into the, the uh, small. Uh, you know, Hyundai Kia's like taking over like every segment, but the small car one is one they've had a lot of trouble uh, taking Tough to on go Civic and Corolla. Yeah. Civic and Corolla. So, but I, you know, I think this one will help a little bit anyway. I was impressed with how refined the interior was. Of course, we had the top trim level, but it really looked like a much more expensive car than what I'm used to, you know, thinking about a Forte. Oh, especially prices, you know, top out, what, like in the low 20s? So, um, yeah, yeah, mid-20s. Depending on what uh, options you tack on it. But, yeah, I... I uh the first I drove the first Kia Forte when it came out and it just I don't know it had just like they like Kia usually does they put a little bit of something extra in it feature wise to maybe compensate for the fact that it's not a Civic or a Corolla and I think this one kind of carries on that theme uh, comparing it you know this came out r- right around the time that Corolla was getting ready to get updated which it has now and comparing it to what is the current Corolla, the Forte is a better option, but now that we have the new Corolla, I think Toyota. I'm I'm going to give Toyota some credit here that they've done a really nice job with the new Corolla. Uh, and it, for me, have, I haven't driven the new Corolla, and I have driven the Forte, but from what I see on paper, I do think that it's going to be a lot. Tight. I mean, the Corolla is going to win, obviously. The the race here, it's going to be tight uh, because but of they, But I think Toyota did kind of take something out of the Kia book, and they've they've offered more technology, and they're they're going for what people my age and your age, Joe, like want: mm-hmm. Apple CarPlay, you know, some sort of navigation, a screen, touchscreen, stuff like that. So, but yeah, the the Forte has already offered that sort of stuff, and I think it's a good looking vehicle. You know, the only thing it doesn't have is all-wheel drive, but I'm sure they probably feel if they did that, they'd take some of, something away from their uh, SUV sales. So, 
but very competent. If you're looking for a very competent small car at a very reasonable price, the Kia Forte is a good candidate. We have a viewer question, and it also uh, involves a Kia Forte. Uh, this is from Ted. My 2015 Kia Forte has a plastic cover underneath the engine. This is under the engine that has to be removed every time I change the oil. Logic tells me I should leave it on or put it back on since it probably helps with airflow and gas mileage. Does it matter whether it's on or off? In short, yes, it does matter. Um, I produce the gloss segments, and Pat always says, put those things back on. They're there for a reason, usually for airflow and for cooling. Cooling, yeah. Yeah, so. cooling's a big thing. People think about the fuel economy. Past press certain things and yeah. two certain things. Yeah. And it may seem extraneous, but it's not really. Put it back on. Pretty you, much every car has them now. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can push your gas mileage down by 10 to 15%. If you've got one hanging down that's half attached. Or overheat your car. Yeah, you're asking for trouble. So it's Ted, also worth mentioning noise mm-hmm. too. Some of them can direct. I mean, cars have so many little pieces of plastic to stop wind noise. Now, I'm sure right. it'll make it'll sound different if you remove the cover too. Kudos to the brands that actually put metal hardware in them instead of the little plastic fasteners oh, that, that break, break off. Every time yeah, yeah. You do them. So I've had both vehicles. Um, both styles. Zip ties are your friend. Uh, Velcro was an option <laughs> yeah, for a while, not, too. Not, yeah. Even with the metal ones, though, my wife's Kia always gets, like, I end up having to really work on a bolt because it just gets the moisture up in there and then you get some rust yeah. and crap. But, yeah, short answer, just leave it on there. But, yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing. It probably does trap some moisture up there that would normally For sure. drop down and be and yeah and then, i mean depending on where you live <laughs> be careful taking it down snow. you might get some grit up there and it might fall or down s- dirty snow face full of bird nest yeah. ted leave it alone put it back make sure it's attached well or you'll be sorry uh our lightning round uh we basically give each of ourselves about 30 seconds to weigh in on some question and this is kind of a 10,000-foot view of the auto industry question. 2018 had its ups and downs for the American auto industry. I think everybody that follows on the news knows that. FCA CEO Sergio Marchionne passed away. Suddenly in July, Ford decided to cut all of its future sedans. GM just announced plant closures. Uh, Carlos Ghosn has been disgraced at Nissan, Renault, Mitsubishi Alliance. What do we think? Twenty And also sales, while they're still doing quite well, there's a lot more money being spent. Uh, to get those sales. 2019, going forward, will it be hard times for the industry? What should we expect in the news and in sales this coming year? This is kind of a big question for all of us. What do you think? <clears throat> Joe, let me start with you. All Let's right. go around the room. I'll start with me. Um, in the U.S., I think I think Ford's going to have more trouble with leadership. I don't know if Jim Hackett has settled in quite to a rhythm yet, so I'm curious what's going to happen there. Just I just following the news about him as CEO. He's got um, an awful lot of people on Wall Street yeah. doubting that he knows what he's doing. And then I think Mary Barra at GM has taken a huge gamble on autonomous and EV stuff. Whether or not it'll pay off, I want it to. I want to see them succeed. But I am worried if gas prices stay low. But I'm worried that's about my 30 that seconds. General, generally, <laughs> the industry in general, I'm taking that approach. Are they taking not putting enough uh, you know investment into existing vehicles? Dave, I think uh, both Ford and GM are chasing the uh, SUV crossover market with these moves. Um, GM's cars they cut, the plants are making the cruise, the CT6, was it? Uh, yeah, more sedans. And, and LaCrosse. Yeah, will be gone. LaCrosse. So yeah. 
they sell so many SUVs, why not gear the business towards that? They just it haven't done it. good qu- sense to me. Yeah, they haven't done it quite as wholesale as Ford did, but... And you know, both of them are chasing the EV market eventually. Ford has a big new place they've opened up in Detroit to mm-hmm. uh, focus on that, autonomous stuff. So. Brian? Uh, I have enough problem dealing with the reality. I can't really deal with future issues. Uh, so I'll just take the tactic that many uh, predictors use of whatever happened last year will also happen next year. So I say uh, 2019 will be an up or down year for American automakers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Greg. Yeah, I mean, everybody else pretty much hit on it. Precarious year for U.S. automakers. It will be interesting to see how they transition. Uh, it seems like Japan, Japanese automakers should have a pretty decent year with new stuff from Toyota. Yeah, you got the Corolla Hybrid, Prius all-wheel drive, a new Corolla in general, and then uh, the Altima will be on its full year. And So I like, like Robinson, it's hard to predict, but more of the same for the most part. Clearly, the uh, yeah the U.S. manufacturers are putting almost all their eggs into SUVs and pick up pickup trucks. Uh, I think the new uh, Ford Ranger is going to do well for Ford, uh, and uh, that will be a uh, you know that will be one star that says they are moving in the right direction. Uh, as I mentioned before, I worry that when we get into something new from GM, Ford, or Chrysler, and we see a lot of leftover hardware inside, are they spending the money? to really keep all the vehicles current uh, and maybe head of the class. So we'll, we'll see. Sales-wise, I don't think we're going to see 17 million sales next year, and I think it's going to be a year for car buying. Uh, I think there'll be a lot more deals on vehicles to keep the plants humming. Mm-hmm. And remember no that 2019 is a UAW contract year. So come next fall, all of these plant closures GM announced, a lot of those are going to be discussed and negotiated. Some of the plants could stay open. Who knows? Uh, And there could even be a shutdown of one or more automakers in the fall if they don't get some agreements. So I think it's going to be actually, rather than up and downs, I think it's going to be a very turbulent second half of the year for the industry. And I think sales are going to get harder and harder to come by. So it's, um, it's going to be interesting. A lot of it has to do with the overall economy. If the economy stays strong, they'll probably be okay. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how FCA does with now that Sergio's gone. He was a big force. Well, fortunately, most of these companies have more than one person that knows what's going on, but we'll see. Rant and rave time, anyone, as we uh, close out uh, the 2018 year. Uh, anybody got something that they would like to uh, pass on to our listeners? I had a fun thing I wanted to pose to the group. You wake up on Christmas morning with a brand new set of keys in your stocking for a 2019 car or 2020 car. What would Santa bring you, or what would you want Santa to bring you? Yeah, that's a good one. See, we were talking well, a little bit before. I, I just had the track hawk right. for the weekend, and my wife liked it a lot. So we know we know it's going to be in her stock. Pay for it. <laughs> I want a BMW M550. Ooh. Which I hope someday to be able to own one that's used off lease. Uh, I'll shoot for the moon. I'll go for a Ranger uh, Raptor version since there they you go. have yeah. said they're not going to make it. But I'm oh, still, they will. Yeah, I'm still not buying that. But mm. yeah, I'd go with that. Great. Uh, I'm always happy with the 911. So and the new one. 911. A new one. Any, any 911. Yep. That's a good one and a good way to wrap up 2018 and this Motor Week podcast number 195. 
Uh, thanks to Dave Scrivener, Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, and Joe Ligo, who also produced this podcast. And to all of you that watched, listened, or somehow connected with Motor Week this year, thank you very much. And we hope you'll do the same in 2019. Happy New Year, everybody, from Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, and by Rainex, Hum by Verizon, and State Farm.